All right. Well, we're going to jump into this this morning. Um, I'm calling this message A Blessed Life is the title today. Um, and I want to be upfront with you that this, this message, the, the roots of it at least, are, are based on a book I read years ago. Um, and it was just this really cool perspective on the, 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 the Lord's Supper, communion, specifically about the bread, where Jesus takes the bread, and we're going to look at the passage in a minute, but he takes the bread and ends up dispersing it to the disciples, says, this is my body broken for you. Um, but there, there's a, a man by the name of Henry Nouwen. Anybody know who Henry Nouwen is? A few folks. Henry Nouwen wrote a great book called Life of the Beloved. And the idea was that the very life that Jesus gave us that's reflected in the breaking of the bread is also a way of life he invites us into. And so I just want to briefly unpack these four specific words that are used to describe what Jesus does with the bread. Now, I know, and we'll talk about it towards the end of this message, I know that that bread represents his body that was broken for us. And we, we take communion remembering the life we have because of the life he gave. I know that. I also know that he now calls us the body of Christ. He invites us to, to live this life in him, right? We've even been doing this whole series called Abide, talking about learning to abide in him and empowered by his spirit. So we're gonna unpack this a little bit. So we're gonna start with Matthew's gospel. We'll, in a few minutes, we'll also see the same phrasing in Luke's gospel. We're gonna start in Matthew chapter 26 this morning. Um, really simple verse, just one verse here. This is as they're eating dinner, and they've wrapped up dinner, and they're, they're now partaking in the Lord's Supper for the very first time together. <coughs> Excuse me. Give me one second. I'm sorry. <clears throat> this is what happens when I sing too much. <clears throat> if you can call it singing. All right, so Matthew chapter 26, verse 26. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, um, you could say he, he chose the bread. He received the bread, all right? Those are all words that would help capture the essence of that. He took the bread, and after blessing it, so he, he prays a blessing over this bread. He blesses it, and then he broke it, and then he gave it to the disciples. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. So I want to look at these four things this morning that I believe are a picture of, of living a blessed life, a life rooted in Jesus Christ. And so the first thing he does is he takes the bread. He selects it. Now, the picture here is that there was probably multiple pieces of bread there in that basket, and he goes, that one, and grabs it. There's, there's, it's an interesting thing. There's something I strongly agree with with my Calvinistic brothers and strongly disagree with. I agree that we are chosen by God. I believe he chose all of us. He loves us. He selected us. In fact, it was for the whole world that Jesus came. But here's, here's what I think is beautiful from a certain point of view in that God is sovereign and he chooses us viewpoint in, in this. If you make it personal, because I think sometimes when we hear Jesus came for the whole world, we get lost in the shuffle. You're not lost in the shuffle. He loves you. 
He sees you. He chose you personally, specifically. Man, if, if we could live life realizing God loves me and has chosen me. And in fact, when he came, he was thinking about me. He was inviting me in. This word holds within it the idea of choosing, picking. In fact, it not only means claiming as one's own, it actually really even holds the weight of claiming what is already your own. You are his, you belong to him, and he loves you so much, he came to earth to reclaim us. I mean, you, you could say that the gospel was a reclamation project. What was his that belonged to him from the foundations of the earth had been lost, stolen, and broken, and so he came in order to bring us back. That's the life he's inviting us into, to realize we have been especially chosen. And so he chooses us. He picks us. Secondly, after he picks the bread, the scripture says he blessed it. That, that word means to, to praise or celebrate. So you, you are celebrated in him. In fact, the word behind that, the Greek word behind that, is the same word we get for the word eulogy. At, at the very least, at somebody's death, we're going to say something good about him. Right? That's the picture there. The idea is that you, you praise, you honor, you celebrate the one you love. And so we're celebrated. But it also, it holds even more weight than that. It's not just a celebration, it's a consecration. It, it means to consecrate someone with your prayers. I, I, I care about you. I, I'm committing you to something. I'm praying over you. It means to cause to prosper. He, he wants us to prosper. Some of us might be really in tune with how much we've been blessed and how much we prosper because of the goodness of God. For some of us, man, it takes some faith to believe that he wants us to prosper, but he does. He speaks blessing over our life. It means to bestow blessings. In fact, it means in the context of God, it means to be favored by God. It's almost like he's speaking grace over us, into us. So here's the picture. We're picked, we're chosen, we're brought in by him. And then we're blessed, we're favored, we're beloved. Not only that, I love this. You know, some of the beauty of the gospels, you get these just little different perspectives on things. In Luke's gospel, chapter 22, verse 19, Luke paints this same picture and the only difference is one word. It says in Luke twenty two nineteen, 19, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, it's a little bit different than blessed, when he had given thanks, that is the word that we get a Eucharist from. Eucharisto, gratitude, thankfulness. It's, it's, it's having a sense of gratitude. It's, it's a deep feeling or an impression but also, it's not just the feeling, it's expressing it. Expressing gratitude, verbalizing it. And so the idea is we've been chosen and blessed, and now our response is, this is awesome. This is good news. The creator of the universe, the God of heaven, has redeemed my life. 
He's chosen me. He's handpicked me. And he's spoken blessings and favor over my life. And he's excited about it, right? Jesus is giving thanks. He's excited for us. He's excited to be reconnected with us. He's celebrating this renewed, reconnected relationship. I feel like I bring up this passage often, but it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. He's thrilled. And, and when, we can have, when we can have the words of the gospel become alive in us, when it goes from being a thought or a concept to something that is slammed into my world, when I wake up to the reality, God has chosen me. He loves me. He delights in me. He speaks blessing and favor over my life. Man, the gratitude that that can create in us. It's mind-blowing. In fact, it's life-changing if we'll let it be. And so gratitude can flow out of us. When, when we realize that we are chosen and blessed, we can then be grateful. That's a blessed life. Now, he doesn't stop there. And, and this is, it's, it's one of the things I hate about this world, but it's one of the things I love about my Savior is that he's honest about the reality of the world that we live in. Jesus never sugarcoats the truth. He tells us we're gonna have trouble in this world. He tells us that we not only are sinners who are broken, but we will be sinned against. He promises us life will be difficult. He's honest about it. And so even in this picture, we see the picture of our brokenness in the midst of this being beloved and being chosen and his grace being poured out on us. The reality is we're broken. He knows we're broken. This picture, this word broke here, when he breaks the bread, it's interesting. When it shows up throughout the New Testament, it always relates to bread. It's always the idea of bread. And it's always in the context of people gathered around together in a sense of community, breaking bread together. So I'll give you some examples. One of the places it shows up is each of the times where Jesus feeds a multitude with very little. I mean, that, that could almost preach a whole sermon right there. Jesus feeds the multitude with very little, and it's in the breaking of bread. I gotta tell you, some of the most impactful moments in my life have, have either been when someone else who has loved me has entered my brokenness by getting real about their own brokenness and ministered life, or when, when I've had the opportunity to be real about my brokenness with someone else and sit with them, and something powerful happens when we commune with one another about the reality of our brokenness and Jesus is right there in the middle of it. Now, the world craves this. So the world, the world creates that without Jesus. That's why people find each other in bars around alcohol or whatever. It's like, let's drown our sorrows. We'll meet up over our brokenness. Anybody ever done some version of that? Maybe not in a bar, but... Right? We'll sit and just celebrate our brokenness almost. Sometimes it's like a competition, like who had the worst week? 
Um, we, we were laughing this week. We had all kinds of crazy things happen. We had a fire in our kitchen. It didn't, it didn't, thankfully it didn't really hurt anything, but we have this cool little grill in our new kitchen. It's the weirdest thing. There's like an indoor grill and it became a scary thing when we tried to do steaks this week and it caught on fire and it was like terrifying. So like we had a fire in our kitchen this week. We had our hot water tank go out this week. We had a toilet clogged this week. It's like, ah! What I was thankful for this week, at least, I, I can't take credit for this often, what I was thankful for this week is, I, I don't know, Jesus just had us so in tune with gratitude that it wasn't a big deal. We were able to make it through. But see, that's a silly picture of the reality of what can happen. When we gather at the table, aware of each other's brokenness, Willing to be real with each other, Jesus can show up and bring healing and brokenness. Jesus feeds multitudes by breaking bread. We also see it, obviously, in these passages here where he breaks bread in communion. Um, we see it in other passages in Acts, like when it says that they met and they broke bread together daily around one another's tables. The idea is we're invited into this community of people who are broken but we're chosen and beloved by God. What a cool place to be. To be able to come to a place, to, to live a life where I come as I am, all my failures, all my shortcomings, all my struggles, and I can be real because in the midst of that, I have been chosen by God and beloved by him. And I can actually receive healing in the midst of, of my brokenness. This is the life he invites us into. We can have communion with God. We can have community with each other. And now that leads to number four. When, when we realize we are chosen, blessed, and broken, we then have something to give. And so number four, we become givers. Jesus took the brokenness of that bread and he fed them with it. So often, we settle in our brokenness trying to feed off of something else that will never satisfy. The truth is, in our brokenness, we're meant to feast on the love of God and then see our brokenness have purpose because we can then love and bless other people who are broken. I, listen, I'll be honest with you, and sometimes I've been this person, like, when I'm going through that terrible, horrible experience, I'm not looking to call someone who's never been through that before. When I'm suffering loss, you know I'm going to call? Someone who's gone through loss. And they've done it clinging to Jesus. And they've held on by the grace of God. That's the person I want with me in the middle of trouble. That's how God redeems our lives broken people who recognize what God's done for us and then can learn to share that with each other. See, some of us have the first half of this. I feel chosen, I feel loved, but then we still try to satisfy ourselves by taking in instead of learning. God wants to redeem in us and through us. I'm meant to live a life that gives out. I can be real. I can bring my brokenness and I can see other people's lives touched by the grace of God because I'm willing to live that honestly with people. Some of the most powerful ways I've been impacted 
by someone else ministering to me was while they were still walking through the middle of their brokenness. Not having it all together, but being real. Man, I'm, I'm holding on to God. I'm watching him work and he's redeeming and I'm still in process and I'm still a mess because that's the truth of this life. We are broken people living in a broken world. But we have a God who has chosen us, blessed us. He, he, he takes us as we are in our brokenness. And he even says, I'll let you participate with me in seeing lives of others redeemed, just like I'm working to redeem your life. The bottom line is this. Gratitude and giving are the keys to seeing a broken life become a blessed life. That, that's the part we play. We choose to be people of gratitude who recognize what God has done. We choose to be people that allow God to work through us to be givers. And when we choose gratitude and giving as a way of life, man, we experience and receive the blessing of God that is life-changing. And we can live a blessed life in the middle of a broken world, in the middle of a broken world. So that's the life that's available to us. Now, that life is only available to us because of Jesus. He is the one that fulfills all of this. See, the reality is Jesus was the chosen one. He's the chosen king. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And yet as the chosen one, he was destined to die before the foundation of the world. He was chosen and he then chose to lay down his life in order to redeem us back. He chooses to lay his life down to bring us in. Not only that, Jesus was blessed like tangibly, physically in front of everybody. At his baptism, what happens? Right as he's about to start his ministry, the, the father speaks a blessing for all to hear. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But here's the power of Jesus. The one who was chosen and blessed allowed himself to become a curse so we could be blessed. Death on a cross was considered a curse. It was considered this crazy, severe form of judgment. And Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us. He became a curse so we could receive the blessing of God. Jesus entered our broken world and himself was broken so we could be put back together. He did all of this. And ultimately, Jesus was given so we could be received into an eternal family. I want to close with this thought, and then we're going to partake of communion together. Um, Crystal and Alex, if y'all want to start getting settled, it'll be a minute or two, but if y'all want to get ready. I want to give you a thought here. and um, I've talked about this passage over the years. It's always been really impactful to me, but I want to encourage you guys to view this as a way that Jesus invites us to live in the midst of our everyday life, in the midst of our, our brokenness, in the midst of our gratitude, in the midst of everything we experience. Jesus' hope and desire is that we regularly commune with him, where we just have these moments where we go, oh, he's here, he's with me. 
Not, not a memory of him, his presence, that we're aware of it. And there was this really cool passage after Jesus' resurrection where he's hanging out with two of his disciples walking down the road and they don't recognize him. And they have this whole conversation on the road to Emmaus. And, you know, I think Jesus was kind of playing around with them. It, they got the impression that maybe he was going to leave. And they're like, no, 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 come hang out with us a little bit more. This conversation has been great. Come have a meal with us. And she's like, okay, I'll have a meal with you. And so he sits down at the meal. And after his resurrection from the dead, he does this. Luke 24, verses 30 and 31. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. He did the very thing he had done before his death. He was showing them, I've done it. And it was in that moment, the scripture says, their eyes were open and they recognized him. And then he vanished from their sight. My prayer for you and I, as we are walking out this life with Jesus, in the midst of learning to have gratitude and to be givers, in the midst of our brokenness and our struggles, that we would see Jesus at the table with us that we'd have a fresh reminder from him that he loves us, that he's chosen us, and he wills good towards us, blessing towards us, and that he will enter even still today into our brokenness to redeem our lives and give us new hope. One of the most glorious things for me has been when I've failed after long years of walking with Jesus. And I've seen him redeem that. I don't know about you guys, but it's almost like when I was a sinner apart from him, you, like sinner sin, right? It's like, I don't know Jesus. I'm being a knucklehead. Like that kind of comes with the territory. Some of the things that have devastated me the most in my life is when I've realized I know better. I know him. I've experienced his love. I've experienced his grace. And then I still choose to reject it at times and go my own way. And when I've watched him enter that brokenness to forgive me and give me a fresh, clean start and heal me and redeem me, man, it's so humbling to go, God, I knew better, and yet you, you still forgive me. You still love me. You still choose me. You, you choose me today like you chose me back then. Thank you. And he redeems our brokenness.